you're experiencing loss, pain, or just need a pick-me-up from time to time, you're about to get exactly what you need. Welcome to Go For It. Your host is Joe Hausman. Today, you'll hear stories and words of hope, love, and encouragement. Get ready to laugh while you learn. Here's your host, Joe Hausman. Good morning and welcome to my show, Go For It, here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. So glad you're back and listening to me today. And today I have a couple of wonderful guests on the line with me. But before we get to them, you know, I always like to start off my show with a really cool quote or really something that's uplifting. And I'm since I'm an author myself, I like to read other people's books. And one of them I like to read is by Mark Batterson. He's a pastor out at National Community Church in Washington, D.C., and he's written several books. But one of them is In a Pit with the lion on a snowy day. No one rolls out the red carpet and invites tragedy into their life, but our greatest gifts and passions are often the byproduct of our worst tragedies and failures. Trials have a way of helping us rediscover our purposes in life. And I know that, unfortunately, you know, we all uh, endure trials and tribulations in our life, but what we have to do is turn those into a positive and make the bad turn into the good. And I know sometimes that's hard to do and sometimes we'd rather just wallow in our own self-pity. But the best thing to do is turn it around and make it into the best that you can do it. And so my guests today have done exactly that and I am so honored to have them on. I actually reached out to them to be on my show today because, and because of them is one of the reasons why I wrote my book, Go For It, A Woman's Guide to Perseverance. My son was going to college And he brought this book home to me on Mother's Day in 2013, and it was called Grief Odyssey. And he said, Mom, one of my professors and another gentleman wrote this book about their two widows, excuse me, widowers with children that had life-changing experiences of losing their wives at an early age. And so I'd already had the idea of a book. And when he brought me home this book, he actually wrote through the pages of it and says, you know, the journals of the wives made this so much more personal with this book. And mom, we should write a book, you know, about what we went through and those type of things. And it's just really, just reading through this really gave me hope and endurance and the, the, attitude to keep moving forward but also the attitude to knowing that there is better out there and all of us that experience loss and grief you know what there is better out there and just keep moving forward step by step so i'd like to introduce the two authors of the book and the book is called grief odyssey and it's dr douglas o'neill and dr and dan gilbertson and a little bit about uh, my two guests is dr douglas o'neill who teaches or actually i think he's retired now but he teaches sociology at uh SDSU, was hired as a full-time associate professor by South Dakota State University's sociology department at the beginning of the spring semester 2003. Prior to this, he was an adjunct professor at Mount Marty, University of Sioux Falls, Southeast Vocational, and SDSU. These are all in South Dakota now. Dr. O'Neill received his PhD in sociology in the spring of 1996, his MS in geography in 1979, and his BS in history in 1976, all from South Dakota State University. His dissertation for his doctorate dealt with widowers who deal with life after their spouse dies and how he, the widower, copes with raising school-aged children as a single parent. His master thesis researched the history of snowstorms and blizzards in eastern South Dakota, and Lord knows we have those, over a 20-year period and what impact they have had. Both papers have been published in either magazine or book format. And Dan Gilbertson is a certified financial planner, chartered retirement planning counselor, registered financial consultant, and an investment advisor representative of Commonwealth Financial Network. 
He holds the Registered Securities Principal Series 24, Series 7, Series 63, and Series 65 registration. Dan also holds separate Colorado licenses for life, accident, health, and long-term care insurance. Dan is also the co-author of Grief Odyssey, The Life-Changing Experiences of Two Widowers with Children. Unlike many books on terminal illness, Grief Odyssey is written for the surviving spouse and family rather than the one facing death. Dan and his co-author, Doug, share their personal journeys from the faithful diagnosis of cancer to the long years of emotional recovery and offer wisdom on preparing for the future. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being on my show this morning. Go for it. I am so honored to have you here with me today. It's good to be here. Thank you. We appreciate it. Well, thanks so much. And Doug, I, and I believe, did I was I right in saying that you're retired now from SDSU? And, and SDSU is actually, for ladies and gentlemen who don't know, it's South Dakota State University here in South Dakota. Yes, I just retired in the month of August, so that is correct. You are so lucky. That is awesome. (laughs) All right, gentlemen. Well, I know about your book, and I just told the audience just a little synopsis of it, but why don't you guys take us back to back in the 80s when your wives were diagnosed, both had cancer but different forms of cancer. Why don't you take us back a little bit to that time and what all happened and how that all kind of transpired, and then we'll kind of go from there. All right. Um, I'll go ahead and go first, if that's all right, Dan. Sure. Sure. Um, my first wife, her name was Demetra, um, found out that she had breast cancer in the fall of 1988 um, when she was trying to nurse our uh, daughter, our sixth child. And it was during this uh, time that she was trying to nurse that she noticed a lump in her breast. Um, and so she went in for, to be checked up, and obviously... It became uh, announced that it was cancer. Uh, she went in and had a mastectomy. And from that point, and that was in uh, right after Thanksgiving in 1988. And then uh, nine months later, she passed away. At, uh, she had just turned 33, but she passed away in August of 1989. And uh, we had six children at that time. So that's kind of a quick overrun of what happened. But it was very quick on site, and it just uh, proceeded to... Uh, gain momentum, which there was no stopping at that time. Hmm. Wow, sorry to hear that. So, Dan, how about you? You know, um, it, it was kind of interesting because Patty and I, Patty was on uh, her second marriage, and, and uh, she had two kids prior. And so I was raising, helping her raise those kids, and, and we wanted to have a child of our own. So uh, I came home one day from work, and uh, Patty had a big smile on her face, and and uh, she handed me a card. And pretty uh, uh, unlike her, because we don't we didn't really exchange cards very often. And and uh, I opened up the card, and it says we're going to have a baby. And it was really special because she had had a miscarriage not long uh, prior to that. And uh, so we we were just elated. We were happy and and enjoying the the moment. And uh, the next day. We got a call from the doctor and says, hey, your counts are a little bit off, blood counts are a little bit off, why don't you come in and we'll do some tests. So ultimately, we uh, um, went in, had those tests, and, and uh, it led to a bone marrow uh, test and, and a biopsy. And as a result of uh, her pregnancy test, uh, we found out she had leukemia. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, it, it, it's a long process that, that you know, it, we had... We were elated with the news of having a baby, and then all of a sudden, a, a day later, we were crushed by uh, Patty having having been diagnosed with leukemia. So then it was all about you know telling everybody, preparing the kids, talking to the family, and and uh, 
so on. But it was a really a high high, and and then a day later it was it was a really low low. So there was a lot that went into that, which I can get into later. But uh, the whole process was was uh, really a roller coaster. Well, yeah, and I and I totally agree because I my husband didn't have cancer, but he had end stage liver disease. He wasn't a drinker, but he had the end stage liver disease. And the whole when they're sick like that, it is a whole roller coaster ride. And yeah. like what I say is, um, it's when you're when you're dealing with a sick spouse or sick you know person in your life. Well, for me, it was spouse. But the roller coaster ride is when. Um, they, they're feeling better and they want to be husband again. So then you roll back into the wife role. And then when they're sick, then for me, I had to go back into the nurse role. And yeah. so my husband was sick for two and a half years. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And then how long was um, Patty sick for when with her leukemia? Was she able to have the baby? And was she, um, did all that go okay? Or how did all that go? Well, it was interesting because we went up to the University of Minnesota uh, hospital and uh, as a result of the diagnosis and her being pregnant, the doctor told us, you know, you have to make a decision. And the decision is, do you want to go on, if, if you have to go on treatment, are we going to do that? Or are, we going to, are you going to go ahead and have the baby and risk not going on treatment, something that could save your life? It really wasn't, uh, you know, so in other words, are we going to abort the baby or not? So it really wasn't much of a decision for us. We both decided, and I let her have the primary decision, of course, about having the baby, so we decided to have the baby, and the neat thing was is, is through the whole term, all nine months, she never had to have her constant elevate to the point where we needed uh, any kind of treatment. Right after she had uh, our baby, Danielle, um, basically she went on, on treatment, so it was just a blessing in disguise that we made that decision and that we didn't, she didn't have to have any treatment until afterwards. God works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? I think well, that's sure great. Does. Yeah, that is yeah. absolutely. So uh, then how long was she sick with her leukemia? She had it for five years. So okay. it's kind of interesting because she, uh, after she was diagnosed, we had the bone marrow transplant. Her sister was a match, got that all taken care of. And, and, uh, and then five years later, we were, you know, she was doing great. She was back at work. And then two days after Christmas in 1989, uh, she wasn't feeling well, and so we, you know, I took her to the hospital, and I could see immediately that uh, this is not good. So, um, doctor and us talked about it, and and uh, we were going to fly her into. They were going to fly her into actually take her on an ambulance to the University of Minnesota Hospital, which is about four hours away. Well, wouldn't you know it? With South Dakota, we had an ice storm, so. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, she couldn't take off, and the next day, once things settled down, we flew in uh, on an air ambulance to the University of Minnesota Hospital, and, and by January 9th, she was gone. Mm. So, yeah, it, it's just weird. It is. It's very tragic for both of you. Um, very tragic for both of you. So, um, so after they passed, it just basically, so you're both now with children, and Doug, you're with six children, and Dan, you're with... Well, basically three because you're raising her two plus Danielle now. So how did you guys, um, as widowers, how did you cope with all that? And how did you manage to get through each day? Um, The coping. That was was a real unique experience. And I'm not even sure if I know quite how to uh, define it. It was kind of uh, you were caught between reality of knowing uh, of a death, and then experiencing the fallout from the death, and trying to pick up the pieces. It was more than a roller coaster ride. It was a 
of all the confusion <laughs> gets mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. Uh, because you were never quite sure uh, where to go in the circle. There was no door out, so to speak. You were always going in a circle trying to figure out what to do. Um, and when uh, Demetra was uh, sick, you were, as you know, uh, being a caregiver is extremely exhausting. It just, it just, I mean, there's highs and lows mm-hmm. continuously. And now that the death had occurred, the lows were always there uh, because I had never known anyone that had experienced anything like I had gone through at my age and with the family setting, etc. So I looked uh, in libraries. This was before Internet, obviously. And I tried to get information about how, how do men uh, deal with being a single parent because uh, there's a lot of books out there about divorce and women who are single parents, etc. but I couldn't find anything for men. So I kind of felt I was like on a voyage, but I had no idea where I was going or uh, even how to steer to, you know, some uh, recovery island, if you will. So it was a, it was a lot of stress, and it was, um, for months, I would say, it was just like a dream world where you got up, you dealt with it, but you really don't, uh, you didn't know what you did for that day when you went to bed. You're kind of in a fog. Constantly, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. How did your children react to all of it? Um. Prior to uh, Demetra's death, we had talked to the older two or three kids. The oldest one at that time was 12 years old, our oldest daughter. And the youngest, like I said, was only about oh, eight months old. So it was a, it was a difficult uh, group to deal with. But with the older two, we told them that uh, their mom was very sick and would not recovery. We brought up the word death and dying to make it uh, a reality. But even doing so it didn't register with them, and even for myself, the idea that I knew this was going to occur was still some distant event that somehow wouldn't occur. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the younger four, it it didn't register, and even to this day, uh, the younger three or four children really only vaguely remember what's going on, and specifically, uh, if we talk about it or if they've asked something about the book that we published, they would have some recognition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how about you, Dan? How did the kids take it? Well, <clears throat> it was tough because, you know, I'll never forget the night of the funeral. Um, you know how it is, and I think this is one of the problems with, with when people pass away is, is that everybody congregates, everybody gets together, family, friends, uh, everybody's together at your home, and they're, they're, you're able to lean on them. And then one of the things I think is a big flaw in, in the way we do things is that after the funeral's done, everybody leaves. Mm-hmm. So, and that's where you get really lonely. But the night of, I'll never forget the night of, of Patty's funeral. Um, all the kids and I were sitting around there on the floor. It was kind of a stormy night, and we just all broke down crying. And the reason, you know, it was, it was several things. Because, and the reason why we were crying is because, first of all, we were grieving the loss of their mother. But second of all, three days after Patty was buried, uh, her, her kids, my stepkids, they had to go live with their father. And they wanted to stay with me, so we're sitting there thinking, you know, three out of our five family members are going to be gone in three days. And unfortunately, we hardly got to see them over the next 10 years because he didn't want really the kids to have a relationship with Daniel and myself. So as far as how it affected the kids, um, I I think it was really tough on the kids, all three of the kids, and it was certainly tough on, on me. But the beauty of it was um, 10 years later, after they had graduated from, from high school, 
they were independent and they got to go out and do whatever they want and we just rekindled that relationship and we're, we're stronger and tighter today than we've ever been. Oh, that is great to hear. And what a great story, too, for that, because it is hard on the children and we just never know what they're going to go through. You know, I mean, death is so raw and so real is what I say. And when my husband passed, it was and kind of like you, Doug, I, I just didn't and probably you too, Dan, but I just couldn't fathom death. I just figured with mine, he wasn't a drinker. It was um, just, he got end-stage liver disease, but I just always thought he was going to get that transplant, and that was just going to be it, and we're going to live happily ever after. So you kind of forget about what's going to happen after. You don't, I didn't want to think about what would happen after, nor did I ever think of death. So, um, but he, my late husband was from Colorado, and I know, Dan, you're from Colorado now, so, and we're almost to break. We have about a minute and a half until break. So when we come back, we'll talk about kind of how you two met and how the book kind of transpired from all of that. But, okay, so to get your book, and it's called Grief Odyssey, and you have to go to authorhouse.com is where their book is located right now because you can go to Amazon, but don't go there because the prices are all different now on there. So you want to go to authorhouse.com to find um, the book Grief Odyssey. And, Right? Do you guys have a website? I can't remember if I asked you that. Is there a website for it? We don't currently, and we're going to be. We had one, but we we kind of got away from that. But we're going to be probably putting one together, and as well as other things. So. Gotcha. Okay, perfect. Okay, so we're about at a break. And so, again, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Uh, this is Joe Hosman with Go For It. And to reach me, you can go to www.joehosman.com. And also call in with any questions at 1 346 9141. And, uh, gentlemen, after the break, we'll come back. And again, we'll just talk about how you guys met and how it all went from there, okay? Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, we are at break. We'll be back in a little bit. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. When you see someone, are you seeing the person or the perception? We see labels such as fat, thin, black, white, rich, poor, but we don't always see the true identity. Listen for New Dimensions with Reverend Nicholas Barrett. On this program, we'll embrace the breaking down of societal paradigms, our norms, and acceptance of our false selves. You can find your identity the way that God intended. Forget all the labels that you think you see. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Go For It. To reach Joe Hausman with a comment or question about the show, please send an email to joe at joehausman.com. 
That's J-O at JoeHausman.com. Now back to Go For It. Welcome back to Go For It here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. I am your host, Joe Hausman. Hey, today I have two authors, Dan Gilbertson and Doug O'Neill, here on the show with me today. They wrote the book Grief Odyssey about two widowers um, raising small children after their wives tragically passed away back in the, uh, one was in 1989 and one was in 1990. And before the break, we were talking about a little bit about the wives' illnesses. But now what I want to talk about is how the two, how you two met and how this book all transpired. So take us back to, okay, so your wives have passed now, the children unfortunately, you know, dealing with the loss and everything. So how did you two meet and how did you two come to figure out that you wanted to write this book? Um, I'll go ahead and start and let Dan chime in whenever I forget something or overlook how we did meet. Um, When my wife died, she died in St. Louis. I was working for the Department of Defense uh, Cartographic Intelligence uh, Center. And uh, after her death, I really had no options. I could not keep the job I had due to the nature of the work, etc. So I had decided uh, what you're not supposed to do, is, and that is I sold my house. I moved about 700 miles back to Brooklyn, South Dakota, to South Dakota State University. And I decided that I was going to get my doctorate in sociology uh, basically uh, just because of the experience that I had gone through with the death of uh, my wife. Um, it was it was the uh, I don't want to call it a tremendous learning session, but it was. I don't think there's any other way to look at it. I and it's one of those parts of your life that you either do something with it, or you're always spinning around in a circle of confusion. And in the past, you cannot live in the past. Life goes on, and that's the first thing I learned. So when I came back, I was working on my doctorate. Uh, I had six kids going to school. I had a part time job, and that was it. Um, and to supplement the cost of going back and get my Ph.D., I was a, uh, an uh, instructor in a geography lab at the college here. And it was at this point that uh, Dan was taking one of the lab classes that I was teaching. And it was through that that uh, we met um, during a class session. But I came out uh, later to find out that his mother who worked with a real estate agent, had uh, known about me. And I don't know if she mentioned this to Dan in passing, but I realized who she was uh, later on. And that's how we met. And then uh, how we came about to writing the book, we can discuss in a bit. Cool. And Dan, what uh, what led you to Brookings, South Dakota? Well, I grew up right across the border in, in Minnesota, and, and I was working uh, at 3M at the time. So I worked there quite a few years, and that's where I met Patty. Um, so I actually lived in Brookings, and uh, you know the funny thing is, is, is when when I heard about Doug, we got together over a cup of coffee, and we did this several times, and we got this wild hair that we were gonna, you know, create this. We we're thinking about creating this book. So the funny thing is, we started recording our conversations and talking about our experiences, and and uh, looking at our journals, our wives' journals, because all four of us were writing journals uh, during this during this time. And so I think about 32, 33 cassette tapes back in the day, cassette tapes mm-hmm. later, uh, we pretty much had the manuscript. So uh, my wife currently, uh, she typed all that up, and, and that was kind of the beginning of the book. Well, that's really neat. I mean, you just never know who's going to come across our paths, do we? We just never know who that next divine appointment is going to be in our lives. 
And it looks like, you know, your mother, Dan, was kind of the divine appointment between you two. (laughs) She sure was. Yeah, she's coming (laughs) over. uh, She's visiting us this Thursday from uh, Brookings, so it'll be fun to tell her about the radio program today. Well, good. And where do you live at now, Dan? Because you're no longer in Brookings. Yeah, I live in, it's kind of the foothills of Denver. It's it's called, it's actually Morrison. It was up by Conifer, but it's in the Morrison area right now. So we just moved two months ago down to uh, uh, at what we call is our last place that we're going to live until they kick us into assisted living. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, and like I said earlier, um, it is a beautiful area up there because um, my husband is actually, uh, oh, actually, we have two callers on the line, too. But my husband was from Evergreen, Colorado. And so before before I met him and after I met him, we used to go hiking all the time up in Conifer. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, um, and gentlemen, I have Cody, my son, on the call. Um, he has some questions for you guys. So welcome, Cody. Yeah, hi. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, good to be talking with you guys, Professor O'Neill, his co-author. Really enjoyed your guys' book. I guess the question is, will you be writing another one? <laughs> We've been asked that before. Um, I'll give my perspective first, and I'll let Dan say, I'm crazy or wherever he's been going. <laughs> um, I think it would be interesting if we were to have a follow-up book called 20, 20 or 25 Years Later, because my life back in that experience directly brought me to where I am today, and I wouldn't be where I am today without a tragedy in the past. And today, I, I couldn't ask for a better life. I mean, I really couldn't in so many ways. Yeah, all families have issues with kids and so on. But it, it's almost like you had to experience something fundamentally <coughs> shattering in your life to get where you are today. And I think that the thing I would address if we were to write another book is how Welcome to life. You know, things happen. But if you don't deal with them, that and not dealing with the event or the loss is the real death, not the physical death of the person. Mm -hmm. Amen Mm -hmm. to that, Dan. Doug, that is very, very true. Well, and like I said earlier, trials have a way of helping us rediscover our purposes in life. Yeah, it it does. Um, I had no intentions whatsoever of ever going back to college. I just got my student loans paid off. I was tired of school. The job I had working with the military intelligence was probably the best job I've ever had, and I enjoyed it immensely. However, life really doesn't care, and it goes its own path, and that's where it led me, and that's where I am today. Well, and with, you know, Cody, because I talked about him at the beginning of the show, he's the one that gave this book to me, you know, Mother's Day of 2013, and he kind of wrote little excerpts all throughout the book. And so I really want to thank him for his insight into um, buying the book and knowing you, you, well, you, Doug, uh, Professor O'Neill, for you know, having that insight to buy that book for me. And so, and he even wrote in the book, Mom, we should write our own grief odyssey. (laughs) So... Yeah, you know, you just never know who think, you're going to um, impact, and you never know what Im- lives you're going to impact either with your positive message. Exactly, and you know, to to address uh, another angle on Cody's question, I, I think you know what Doug and I have really been talking about a lot lately is is how can we get the word out? How can we go out and help other people? Uh, you know, typically widowers, but we want to help their family and friends too. So I'm not sure if another book is in store for us. But I think what is in store for us, and I'm part of the fault here because I'm Doug's retired and I'm kind of busy right now. But we're trying to get to the point where we're helping more men and more families and friends. And and 
whether we're setting up an organization again like we used to have and, and uh, just reaching out, speaking to organizations where we're really really reaching out and helping these people because they don't really, when we looked for answers when we lost our wives, there was nothing out there. There's all mm-hmm. kinds of things uh, regarding widows, but there's very little on widowers. So we, you know, we thought this was a good idea to write this book, and, and now we, we just love helping other gentlemen who are going through the same tragedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I exactly. think you, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, buddy. Uh, I, was saying, I think you guys hit it kind of the nail on the head is that, uh, in a way, you, you may not even need to write another book because the book was just one part of it. Now, you know, you guys are doing advocacy, speaking, teaching, starting organizations to help just be an all around resource. So I think that's really important when people, in your guys' situation or any situation, they write a book and they think, okay, the book is the be-all, end-all, but the book is just one part of the whole process. Right. I, I agree. Uh, basically, uh, like you said, the, the book is the foundation that we've built our uh, our present-day life on. And so if, if in talking to groups and other interviews that I've done, I try to promote... Um, the idea of really moving forward with a very expensive lesson that many people had to pay to learn and don't waste it. So now that Dan and I have, say, 20, 25 years of life experiences after a traumatic event, I think that's probably even more important now um, than the book uh, was for us to write. But we had to write the book to basically understand what we went through. Uh, and, and that's how Dan and I came together, is that when we started talking over these coffee sessions, uh, we started realizing how much we had in common, and we each had our own perspective in how we dealt with the same commonalities. And that's what I'd like to address with uh, people today when they ask me. I said, well, then I had to do this, but now I'm 20 years brighter, so to speak. That's questionable. But I have more insight, and I think I have more to offer now than I did back then. Okay. Exactly. Well, thank you guys for having me on. Thanks, Cody, Thanks, for calling Brian. in. Thank yep, you. Yep. Take care, guys. See ya. And then we also have another caller on the line, Linda, but I do want to talk a little bit about um, how the book can transform into other things. So when I wrote my book, I just basically just wanted to get it out there, and it was basically just healing for me. And so when I got it out there and it was healing, but what happened is I followed other authors on Facebook, and so through that is... I got speaking engagements from that because I, me and some of the authors that we went through the same publisher, we would talk on Facebook and so other people found us. So I'm actually flying to Los Angeles this weekend to go speak at an event this weekend. But also, that's how I found this Voice America Empowerment Channel is because I searched out other speakers and they had this platform, and this. so this is another way that I'm out there helping other people as well. So you're right. Through the book is just one small step. That's just like the foundation. And so now whatever you guys decide to do to further that is actually going to be more beneficial because you're right. There's, there's not as much information out there for men who have lost their wives. And there's so many more young men now who stay at home with the families and the wives go out and work. That is, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of a role reversal. So any kind yeah. of advice and information get out there for the men is absolutely wonderful. Well, 
I think that's really neat and, and reaching out to other people, Joe, because, you know, this book, the way I look at it, it's, it's kind of a lasting legacy. It's, it's a tribute to our wives and, and our lives prior. And, uh, but it's also a tribute to our lives uh, as a result of, of this tragedy. But I think, the, I think the important thing is, is, is it's really interesting to hear about every, everyone's different situation when they lost a loved one. But mm-hmm. when we sit down and talk to these guys, uh, a lot of times, you know, I guess the way I feel is they don't necessarily, I don't share my story unless they want to hear it. They want to lean on you. They want to tell you about their story. They want to mm-hmm. grieve. They want to get it off their shoulders. So unless they ask, you know, you know what about your situation? How, how is it the same? And even if they died the same death or a similar death, every situation is different. It is. It is. And so, and everybody grieves in their own way as well. Yeah. So, and we do have another listener or so a caller on the line and her name is Linda. So Linda, welcome to Go For It. You are live on the show with us this morning. Well, good morning, Joe. Good morning, Good morning, good morning Doug. Good if morning. I have your names correct. Yes. Yep. So what's your question this morning, Linda? Well, I tell you what, I'm going to, I appreciate your, um, all your input on losing a loved one. I'm going to go about this a little bit different way, and I apologize for this in advance. But um, as I was sitting here listening, uh, admiration fills my heart for those who love a spouse. Laughter, joy, and happiness, and then an empty house. I have no clue how you must feel. It happened not to me. But as of late, a friend lost hers from earth. He was set free. My heart, it weeps, but not like hers. Her pain is so severe. I want to help her if I can. Again, want comfort near. I talk to her. She talks to me. So helpless do I feel. I want to take away her pain, but sorrow is so real. We do. We laugh, but it ain't long. The tears will roll again. I want to help. I want her to be like the one she's been. Grief is not a pleasant thing. I had a few myself, but the depth of one so close, my mind, it cannot tell. I listened to you talk about your wives of whom you loved, and were not meant for you to keep. The sea of life was rough, but through it all, a calm has come. I want that for my friend. So briefly, could you give a word so she has joy again? That's it. That was beautiful, Linda. Yeah. That was absolutely beautiful. Very nice. I just feel helpless. (laughs) And I really appreciate your courage, your strength, your stamina in overcoming it. Um, I guess I, just in brief, a few short sentences of how I can help her. You know, I I think the the main thing, Linda, is, is just for you to be there. You know, yeah. like I said, when, after the funeral, everybody goes home. They go on with their daily living. And, and uh, then, you know, people who, would, who lose a loved one, they typically are forgotten to some degree. Yeah. So I think you being there, being able to talk with her and uh, just reaching out to her and t- just reassuring her that anytime you want to lean on me, feel free. That's what I'm here for. And just, okay. so you know, show that love thing? and care. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Linda. Yeah. From my perspective, there's kind of two things that I that affected me and I've kind of learned through this whole process over the years, and it still applies today, is that being a caregiver or being a friend of somebody who's lost someone or something is the ability to listen ability. and to shut up. And to shut being up. a former uh, <laughs> instructor professor, I talked for a living. I yeah. spewed great words of wisdom, hopefully. However, 
the most difficult thing for me is to not respond to questions right away, but to let them take hold so I know exactly what has been said so that I respond in an appropriate and correct way if if a response is asked for. Sometimes it's like a confessional booth in the Catholic Church. People want to give you their story, and they don't want commentary. They right. just want to tell their story. Uh, the other thing I think is time is your best friend. I don't think uh, there's any any way, there's no magic uh, antidote, there's no magic spell, there's nothing that you can tell someone who's lost a significant other mm-hmm. that's going to make them feel better. The only thing that works is time, and because time allows you to ingest and uh, learn what you've experienced, and if you can do that during this time frame then you're succeeding in becoming a newer person and hopefully a better person by the experience. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. I really feel she'll get there, but in the meantime, I, I just, well, like I said, I feel kind of helpless, but I really appreciate your time and your words of wisdom and yours too, Joe. Thanks, Linda. Well, what I always say is, I, you know, I always say take a day at a time. And if that's too much, you take an hour at a time. And if that's yeah. too much, you take a minute at a time. But and you celebrate again, those small victories. And no what, I, what I would recommend is, you know, maybe write down some daily affirmations. Have her write down those, some daily affirmations. And if some way, somehow, she can write down a way of giving thanks. Giving yeah. thanks for the life yeah. that they had. Yeah. So, so there's one more thing that I think that we overlook in today's world of Internet and Twitter and Facebook and all this electronic wizardry that we have. But I would highly recommend and have done this to people that I've known for different reasons. Journal and write a diary. Handwrite. Do not type. Okay. Uh, the reason okay. hand journaling or diary writing is so important is that you actually have to focus and think okay. about what you're writing and okay. read it as you write. Where on you know, when you're on the computer, you can dictate all these brilliant statements and right. everything, and it just it goes nowhere. But the personal invitation to write, I think, is so important in those who are dying or have had a tremendous loss or in a state of grief of some type. Awesome. Okay, well, I'm, I'm happy to say that I actually made a journal book for her um, with his picture on the front. So hopefully, I don't know if she's doing it or not, but anyway, it's there for her to take advantage of, so... Anyway, that's right. Thanks. And you and you, you know, you're a true friend because you're there to listen. So thank you so much, Linda, for calling in today. You're welcome, and actually, Joe. we're about at we're about at break already again, gentlemen. It's just this hour just seems to fly by so fast. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. So again, you go to authorhouse.com. And Linda, thank you so much for calling in. Go to authorhouse.com to find the book Grief Odyssey. And then also my website is www.johosman.com. And call us with any questions at 1-888-346-9141. And when we come back from the break, gentlemen, we got to hear about all the positive, wonderful things that have happened since um, the tragedies in your life and what you're doing now and what we're going to be doing, what you guys are going to be doing in the future. Okay. Sounds good. We'll be right back after break. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you in your own driver's seat? Tune in to a program that will get you there based on what others have managed to do through challenges in their lives and how they persevered. Tune in to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. On our show, we use real issues and experts to help you reclaim your life. 
Danielle and her guests are here to steer you in the right direction. Make sure that you are here every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's time to harness your power. The compassionate life is about just that. There are so many human beings who have made a name for themselves by being humanitarians. They have become individuals who are known for being selfless, kind, and compassionate. Host Dr. Brittany King is also one of these humanitarians. Each week she shares stories of kindness that she has experienced throughout the world, both as a contributor and recipient of these acts of love and kindness. Listen every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. listening to go for it to reach joe hausman with a comment or question about the show please send an email to joe at joehausman.com that's j-o at joehausman.com now back to go for it Welcome back to Go For It here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. So glad you're still listening with us today. We have a couple wonderful guests on the show. They wrote the book Grief Odyssey. And so where we picked up is now we're going to talk about uh, just what you guys have done to transform your lives. And you're both remarried now um, with children and I'm assuming grandchildren. And so kind of talk about, take us now to almost the present tense about um you know, you get, you're both remarried now and where your lives have taken you. And I think, Doug, you're the one that said, you know, your life now is so much better than what you ever expected it to be. And because of those tragedies, and that's exactly what happened. So, you know, just pick us up, both of you, for what you guys are doing now. Well, I guess from my perspective, um, upon the, um, the death of Demetra, you know, at that time, you're at the lowest low you can be. And you, you really wonder if there is any future. I mean, how, how are you going to pick up the pieces? And the, and the other thing is, is that the circumstances are now totally different when you're, you're now a new single, if you would. And uh, before my uh, wife died, uh, she definitely wanted me to remarry. That was, that was very important on her, her wish list, if you will, of things that would move on after her death. But one of the things that she was concerned about is if any, you know, to find uh, a person to marry or to even start dating with six children, that's a lot of luggage to carry into a new relationship. And she understood that. And so that was one of her concerns. And prior to her death, she wanted to write a letter to my future wife, which if you think about it, you're talking to your wife, you know, she's dying and she's talking about your future wife and you're, you know, you're so fast, you don't know where you're, you're going. So when you do find that person again, and you will, um, and then you move forward, you think of all the things you have. And today, I have everything I could possibly ask for and want, and it all it all had to come about because of a single tragic moment that we call life and death. And um, with that, now uh, I have a good retirement. We have a much more in common. My second wife and I have much more in common than my first wife and I did. And I often wonder if she would have walked through the door, if she would even recognize the person that she married. Because mm-hmm. I've changed so much, and I have a whole completely uh, different attitude about life and where it's going, along with kids and everything else. Mm-hmm. How about you, Dan? You know, um, 
it was, it was kind of funny because after I lost Patty, I went to a counselor, and uh, he said, you know, the one, if I can give you any piece of advice, this is the best advice. You're going to have opportunities to get married again, but don't get married for five years. And I thought that was really interesting because a lot of guys, they get married on the rebound, and mm-hmm. then they end up a lot of times regretting it. Well, I think it was more uh, um, ironic than anything, but I did take five years to get married again. Almost got married twice during that period of time, but I didn't. So, and and the ironic thing was is this gal that I started dating and ended up marrying, her name is Patty. So um, I lost a wife. Her name was Patty. I'm married now to my wife. Her name is Patty. So it's kind of, I have this ongoing joke where, we didn't have to change any of the junk mail. Any of, that's kind of a bad joke, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I understand. But, <laughs> but we, uh, she, the neat thing is, is, is when Patty and I met, Danielle was eight, and at the time we, you know, we hadn't seen the kids, the other two, my stepkids, very often, and we got married when she was when Danielle was nine. But the neat thing was, Patty could never have kids, so uh, she didn't have a lot of experience with with being a mother, but. She grew into it, and, and she helped me raise Danielle, and now Danielle's 30, and, and the other kids are, are uh, you know, upper 30s and, and 40, and, and we have six grandkids, so uh, five grandkids with my stepkids and one grandchild with, with my daughter, my, my biological daughter. So mm-hmm. it's really been a blessing, and, and, you know, even though they live back in the Midwest and we live in Colorado, we get together two, three times a year, and we Skype and FaceTime, and we, we stay in close contact with each other, but... But our relationship has just been, uh, you know, as good as it gets and really tight family. And, and, uh, and I think the thing for people to think about is, is it's, I think it's really a compliment to my deceased wife, Patty, that I wanted to get married again. We had such a strong marriage at the time. I think if you don't have a strong marriage, you may not, you know, you may want to take more time and, and potentially not even get married. But it was really a compliment to her. Mm-hmm. Very um, much so. I liked it. Just common kind of build on what Dan said. Um, we have similar experiences. Uh, Mary, who is my second wife, and uh, when Mary and I uh, decided to get married, and it was after a little over four, four and a half years that, uh, since my wife had died. But uh, Mary is a professional woman who worked up at South Dakota State University. She had her own business. Uh, she had not been married before, nor did she have any children. So for her to fit into my category, my slot predictions of life, was a tremendous step forward for her uh, to take on the role of uh, children um, that came into her life and to suddenly become a a mother. Uh, and I know the term stepmother is often brought in, but there, any you know anybody can be a biological mother, so to speak, but to be a parent and a mother. Of children and then children that you brought into your life through marriage is to me a uh, well, it's asking a lot, and to find somebody that's willing to do it is is paramount in life. And I think that's that's a compliment not only uh, like Dan said to your previous wife, but also to your your present wife and the lifestyle you have. Yes, kudos to both of your current wives now and to your past wives because they set you up for your current life, which ironically is good and bad, you know, because they you had to lose them to gain the life that you have now. I think, I think in both couples, and I'm not speaking for Dan, but I would guess that it's almost like the four of us in our previous lives all had to give permission 
to each one of us that one is going to die, you have to give them permission to let go, and they have to give you permission to let go from what you're involved with now and move forward. And I, I think I think that's why people talk about death and dying and grief and how you have to move forward. I think it will help people's lives without more stress already thrown on top. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's and that's what I talked about at the beginning too. We just always have to keep moving forward and keep putting one step in front of the other, because now you almost need to be happy for the deceased spouse because they're in a much better place. They're in a much better place than we are. We're the ones left grieving, but we're also the ones that can now move forward into a better life and to um, gain momentum and gain. Um, just self-assurance that life is for the living and you know and that's the reason why we're still here there's a reason why god called them home and there's a reason why we're still here and so just to put that message out there to everybody that um life is worth living and if you're having trouble with it like doug stated earlier journal journal and i still journal and out of that's how my book came about is from journaling so and sounds like basically you guys recorded your conversations but that's just like journaling yeah. is how the recording yeah. came about so that's how your book came about so I just find kudos to you guys for taking that time and taking that momentum to um, write the book did it take you a long time did it take you <laughs> a couple of years to write the book did it take you five years how long did it take you to write it 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 didn't take us that long to write it it just took us a long time to publish it because we you know we were trying to find the right editor and uh, we were self-editing, and then it kind of went back and forth, and, and then we got busy, and we put it on the shelf, and it took about 20 years. So it, way longer than it should have. Oh, yeah, well, 20 years ago. You know what, though? You got it. You got it done. That's the most <laughs> yeah. important thing. Because it's all, you know, it doesn't matter how long it takes you to do it, just get it done. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, some... oh, go Joe, ahead. Um, just, just a quick comment here. I, you know, if I have any kind of a suggestion for, for any of your listeners and other people, is that really pay, if you're going through something like this, really pay close attention to how your kids are feeling. Because about 12 years after Patty passed away, our daughter, Danielle, she was in her early 20s. It was just my daughter and myself. We were downstairs. We were visiting my, my son's place. It was at Christmas, and it was just Danielle and me. And she, she asked me, 12 years later, she asked me, Dad, do you think I'm the reason or the cause of mom dying? And, and I just looked at her and I said, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I can't even believe you asked that. And you've been holding this in this whole time, as a matter of fact, because of the pregnancy test and because she was pregnant with you, that's the reason why she found out she had leukemia, and it probably gave her five extra years of life. So, but I think it, it's so, it was so profound that she shared that with me. Finally, after 12 years, she'd been holding that in. And so I think paying close attention to, to your kids' feelings, and I felt like I was, but it's amazing what they can hold inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kids are amazing then, that way. You know, the, the thing I've noticed, and like Dan said, um, even at this age, after 20-some years uh, after uh, Demetrius' death, I still get questions from all the children about things they didn't know about their mother and mm-hmm. what they assumed and who they assumed their mother was. Um, especially if they're young, it's a huge void uh, that they they don't understand, even though they're an integral part. So uh, it's always been a policy, if you will, or a standard uh, statement that always, always ask questions about your deceased mother and ask how did, you know, if you want to know how you fit into the big picture, like Dan just said, ask. Don't hold it in because you're not going to know if you don't ask. 
And a lot of times, it really helps deflate um, potential problems, both mentally or physically or emotionally, that you don't even know exist, like Dan said. So keep that dialogue open. It's, and you should. And you should. There's no reason not to. Exactly. Um, and I didn't share this earlier, but I lost my dad when I was 11 of a, a heart attack right away, and he passed away instantly. So my mom was left to raise us three kids um, by herself. And the same thing, she was always good about, you know, open communication. And, you know, none of us are prepared to be single parents. None of us know what to do. You know, we just have to go with what we know best and try to live out, you know, um, God's will to make a better life for our families, you know. And so, but you're right. And that's so right. Because what happens is if you do hold it in, there's emotional, there's physical, there's, you know, all kinds of issues that can come about of it. And um, my late husband uh, dealt with an alcoholic mother. And so, and he had gotten counseling early on in life. And so the one thing he taught me was always a power of positive thinking. And so he always has a, you know, he tried every day to have a positive attitude about everything. And so, and that's what I try to teach others now is have a positive attitude about life. I mean, it all, you know, we all go through stuff. We all go through grief, pain, loss, whatever, but we always have to keep that positive attitude going. And we always have to be thankful. Give at least thanks for one thing daily in your life. I always say three, but sometimes one is enough, you know, as long as you can wake up and be happy about the day, um, it's a great day. And gentlemen, we only have like a minute and a half left of the show already. <laughs> it has oh, just gone wow. by way fast. I just cannot believe it. it. Well, yeah. I just want to thank you two so much for being my guest today. And I'm so glad I reached out to you. Um, when I started this show, I will tell you back in July, I knew I wanted you two on my show because of your book, Grief Odyssey, that people can find at authorhouse.net, or sorry, authorhouse.com, that um, you're part of the reason why. I wrote the book, which is also part of the reason why I have this radio show. So um, I just, yeah, I just knew I wanted you two on the line. And I'm so thankful that Cody was able to call in and be part of the show today. Yeah, me too. That made it extra special. Yeah, I did. It made it extra special. Any last parting words for our listeners today, gentlemen, before we leave the show? Um, My only piece of advice is is just what you said, Joe. Keep a positive attitude. You're going to get through it. I know it's tough at the time. You feel like it's just this huge barrier, but you're going to get through it. And and lean on people with positive attitudes, too. And and don't ever feel like you're burdening somebody, but just reach out to others because, you know, true good friends, they want to help you through this, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, uh, and life is an experience. It's not drudgery. It's not a downer. Enjoy the experience, even though at the time it might be uh, anything but a joyful event. Amen, fellas. That's exactly how I think. We have to live life to the fullest, even though, you know, we all go through it, but we have to live life to the fullest. And if you have a positive attitude, you're going to find positive things in your life. Ladies and gentlemen, thank yeah, thank you guys so much for being on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to my show here. Go for it here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's been my honor to have you two on the show with me today. And ladies and gentlemen, I look forward to visiting with you all again next week. Have a great week. God bless. Thanks, Joe. Thank you for listening to Go For It. Be sure to come back next Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Joe Hausman, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great day and an even better week.